We are in our final week of this series, and as I've shared over the past few weeks, this is a series that God laid in my heart uh, several months ago, and it's simply called, You Can Go to Hell. Now, you may have said that phrase to somebody in your lifetime, hopefully not, but maybe out of anger and uh, frustration, um, but this phrase is a phrase that, um, it, it's real, it's, it's legit, and the fact that you and I, we can go to hell. Now, the great thing about the other side of that phrase is the fact that we have grace through Jesus Christ. God sent his son Jesus, praise the Lord, and has given us a free gift of salvation. All we have to do is accept, believe in him, and live our life for him. And we talked about um, different attributes to this, uh, you can go to hell. The first week, we, first week uh, Jackson uh, Grant, our teaching pastor, talked about um, the, the uh, origin of hell and why it was created. And we shared with you that hell was not created for uh, us, and it was, uh, it was created for Lucifer, for Satan and his angels. And whenever, whenever uh, people say, why would a God uh, condemn someone to hell? I tell people all the time, all the time who, who ask me that question. I say, well, God does not condemn us to hell. We condemn ourselves to hell. God, it's not his plan for us to go to hell. But because sin entered into this world and because of uh, sin entering into our life and our hearts, we are destined to hell and we condemn ourselves to hell. But by the grace of God, there's a way out through Jesus Christ. In our second week, we talked about get out of hell free card. Some people uh, live their life as if there's a get out of hell free card. They do just the bare minimum. They just, they attend church uh, periodically. And they say, well, uh, that's my get out of hell free card. I, I went to church. You know, I can imagine them um, thinking, well, I'm just going to stand before God and say, hey, God, I, I went to church. And the Bible makes it very clear that there will be people who will even use the name, his name, the name of Jesus, to do great things. And Jesus will say, hey, depart from me. I, didn't, I don't know you. Because they don't walk with Jesus. Jesus is not in their heart, not in their life. And I'm going to tell you, I have met people, and you may have it as well. They may, have, they may recite a prayer, and they may even get dunked by someone, through baptism, but their life has not changed at all. And so if there is not life change that happens, then the person needs to ask themselves some very serious questions. Now, we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up in this life. But it's all about not only confessing our sins, but it's repenting from the things of this world, the things that we used to do, it's repenting, which means go a 180 and go the opposite direction of what we used to do and how we used to live. That is a walk of repentance. So it's confession, it's repentance, and it's the road of sanctification. Sanctification is becoming like Christ. We should be, if we're Christians, true believers should be slowly but surely morphing into 
Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit. That is a believer. Yes, will there be people on that road of sanctification who, who mess up? Absolutely. I'm one of them. Absolutely. But I know this, that when I mess up, there's grace. I ask the Lord to forgive me. I confess that, and I keep walking, and I don't turn back over here. And so people think that they're the get-out-of-hell-free card just because they've done certain things will, will keep them from that. But the real get-out-of-hell-free card is that you believe in Jesus Christ. You've asked him to be Lord of your life. You're walking in repentance. You're, you're becoming like him through sanctification. And last week, we talked about how to lead your kids to hell. It was a Father's Day message. Now, no father wants to lead their kids to hell. <laughs> but there are many dads out there who are. They're leading their kids straight on to hell. Now, by the grace of God, God will often bring uh, a father-like figure into their life who will speak into them. Maybe it's a teacher or a coach or a youth minister. They will put someone in their life who will, who will challenge them and speak to them. That's what happened to me. My dad did not. My dad was leading me to hell. But by the grace of God, I, I did not go that way because God put, put people in my life. And so... Um, and, and as a father, I don't want any other person taking my place to lead my kids. Now, I want others to, to partner with me, our, our student minister, Joe, and, and others in his church. Uh, many of y'all are helping us raise our kids and, and point them to Christ. That's a partnership, but I don't want any substitution. I don't want anybody taking my place as a dad, as their father. And so many fathers are leading their kids to hell, and they don't even realize it. We talked about a few of those things. Number one, allow your kids to find their own way. There's this belief out there that if, if you just should allow your kids to just sort of find their own way, they will find their own way, and they will choose something else, and they will choose a life of, of, uh, of separating from Christ. Um, another thing is uh, separate church life from home life. If, if you and I separate uh, what we do here at church and, and home, and those don't merge together. In other words, we, we sing songs here, we, uh, we read scripture here, and if you're, if you're not periodically opening up God's word, praying with your kids, uh, leading them, and if you're not maybe playing some, uh, some Christian music, just bridge that gap between what we do here and what you do at home. It will help them realize that, look, your relationship with Jesus is not just something that is compartmentalized. It's something that is a part of life. Another thing, talk negative about the church. There's many um, uh, dads and fathers, who, and, and I, I've known them, and, my, and one of them is my dad, talk negative about the church, okay? We don't need to talk negative about the church. I used the example last week of, you know, I don't want any, anybody talking negative about my bride. Well, when we talk negative about the church, then we're talking negative about the bride of Christ, um, Another way um, uh, dads lead their kids to hell and they don't realize it is they don't prioritize the church. They don't prioritize the church. They don't uh, prioritize growing in their faith. They don't prioritize um, getting their kids in, in, in front of uh, people and the word of God and other people who walk, in, um, uh, walk with Jesus. And so when you don't prioritize the church, 
you push it off to the side. And when the kids get older, they don't prioritize it as well. My brother is one of them. I have one sibling, my brother. I love him. He's awesome. But he didn't prioritize the church. He didn't go to church. He's following the footsteps of my father. By the grace of God, God has allowed me to not go that way. And, and, and your kids can be in that same situation. And, um, and the last thing we talked about last week was don't, um, if you don't connect your kids' bad choices with sin, then they're going to be left with an identity uh, of, of sin in their life. They're going to become, they're going to identify themselves with uh, their bad choices. And so, fathers, one thing we got to do is this. Look, son, daughter, I, I, I know you messed up, but I'm going to tell you something. What you did is sin. It's sin. It's, it's disobedience. And so it's sin. Because it's sin, here's what you can do. Someone else can take that sin from you. Now, there's going to be some natural consequences, but the guilt and the shame of sin in your heart and your mind right now, you can give that to someone. And his name is Jesus. Because here's what I have found out over the years as a teacher and as a minister and as a father is that there's so many people out there, there's so many kids out there that they don't connect their bad choices to sin. And because of that, they, they can't give it away. And because they have to hold on to it and they become, they be, they're, they're identified as that person. And that leads to lots of messed up kids, a life of depression and other things that are very serious. And so as dads and as moms and as parents, we have got to teach our kids, your choice is sin, so let's pray together and let's, let's confess that sin and give it away. And when we teach our kids that, they're going to help walk um, in a better path as they get older. So we come to last week, the final week, Today's message title is called Hell No. Hell No. It's all about telling hell no. Telling hell no. How are you going to tell hell no? So let me give you, I'm going to give you three things. And I'm going to share some, uh, some parables of Jesus during those three things. And then we're done. So hang tight. So number one, a way that you can help tell hell no, and on the path of telling hell no, is that you talk about hell. Talk about hell. How often do you talk about hell? And I don't mean using the word hell in a sentence. (laughs) I talk about hell all the time. How do you talk about hell. How often do you talk about hell? Do you realize that I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing this message. I was thinking, gosh, I don't don't really talk about hell that much. And in fact, I don't know many of my friends that talk about hell that much. Now, we, there's a lot of talk about uh, about walking with Jesus and and, and grace and, and even heaven but hell is something we hardly ever discuss. Um, I think that's the plan of Satan. Because, as you know, hell was created for him. 
And he wants to bring as many people there to the most darkest um, abyss, separation from God, hell, flame, fire, punishment, gnashing of teeth, crying out, weeping. He wants to bring as many people there, but why would he tell people about that awful place? He's not going to tell anybody. This world is not a world that's talking much about hell. In fact, when Jesus landed on the planet as a baby boy, and then as he got older, he brought in, really, the discussion of hell. He's like, okay, guys, I'm here to tell you hell is real, okay? My dad created hell for Satan, and and it's real, and you don't want to go there, and let me tell you why, but I've made a way out, and so, you know, it's believe in me, and, and, and so we don't talk about hell enough. We have got to remind people that they can go to hell. Now, you may not want to walk up to someone and say, you can go to hell, and that's probably not the best way to do that. But we have got to remind people that hell is real and that it is something that people can go to. Now, as I was preparing this message, and this is something that, that has really been heavy in my heart. So I hope you, hope you listen very carefully as I, as I talk about this a little bit more. So it, it's so easy to tell people, hey, you can, you can go to hell for, you know, living this kind of lifestyle. You know, you, you can go to hell for, you know, I mean, I've heard people say, you can go to hell for being a homosexual. You can go to hell for believing in abortion. And you can go to hell for all these things. And when in reality, when people ask me about those hot topic things, and if they ask what I believe, I, I go straight to God's word. But more importantly, I don't tell people they can go to hell because of the way their lifestyle. What I do is this. I say, have you accepted Christ and do you live for him? Because here's what I believe. Because looking at news cycles and, and social media, I see all kinds of arguments, people having all of these hot topic discussions. And, and, that's, and Satan has made these hot topic discussions a, a political agenda and has placed these in a political arena when actuality, it's a spiritual arena. And he is confusing us and allowing us to be diverted to something that is not spiritual, but political. Even within the church, with our society. And so, when people ask me, hey, you believe someone will go to hell because they live a homosexual lifestyle or they believe in abortion or that kind of stuff? What I say is this, look, have, have you accepted Christ as Savior? Have you fallen down on your knees and asked Jesus, please forgive me of my sin? 
I confess my sin to you. And I want to follow you. Because here's what's going to happen. If a person truly has accepted the gospel message of Jesus Christ, then they're going to take that gospel message and with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit will change that person and will align their life to what is in God's Word. Rather than throwing the book at them and, and showing all this stuff, you shouldn't be doing this, you should be doing I said, no. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And until you, and until you accept Christ, you, you, you're not going to change on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to change you. And so, as someone believes in him and walks with him, the Holy Spirit comes into their life and changes them. I hope that makes sense to you. And I hope that when, 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 you're, when you're talking to people about hell, you don't tell them they're going to hell because of that. They're going to hell because they don't know Jesus. Let's just start there. They're going to hell not because of what they're doing. They're going to hell because they don't know Christ. They've never accepted him as Savior. And if they have accepted him as Savior, then they need to walk with him. And there's be, there needs to be evidence of that. And we've talked about that in the last few sermons. But we need to focus, church, we need to focus on the fact that God can change people, their heart, yes, even their lifestyle, as they walk with him and they align themselves with God's word, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I know this for a fact, you can't change them. I can't change them. It doesn't matter what kind of arguments you may have. It doesn't matter what kind of discussions you may have. You can't change it. Only Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, can change someone. And so, those hot topics, don't go there. Make Jesus the hot topic. Make Jesus a hot topic. Say, hey, bro, do you, when's the last time you prayed? Are, are you in love with Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus? Now, some of those hot topics, we can go to God's word and we can tell, we show you, and we, I've done that before. I can show you exactly where in God's word it says not to have those lifestyles. And not to be killing babies. Yeah. But I just want people to follow Jesus and let Jesus change their heart and change their life. I'm not going to, I could speak here all day, every day for the rest of my life. I can't change anybody. But Jesus can. And as we pray for them, because I know this. God has placed us with non-believers and people who live an alternative lifestyle, people who live in sin. God has placed us to live side by side. It's not like the Christians, us as believers, we, we, we live in some sort of field by ourselves and the people of the world live somewhere else. Yeah, we're in church today. Yeah, but, but you work with people who are non-believers. You, you know people 
who, who are far from the Lord. And that's intentional. That's intentional because we're to be side by side. Uh, we see this in, in, the, in the parable of the weeds in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 30. It says this, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And then skip over to verse 36. It has an explanation of the parable of the weeds. Verse 36, then he left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us a parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seeds is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom, believers. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The words of Jesus. Can't get more clear than that. We live side by side with people. We need to pray for them, yes. But we also need to tell people about hell, that hell is real. But when we tell them about hell, tell them, look, you're, you can go to hell because you don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Jesus can do amazing things in your life. He could change you. So number one, talk about hell. That's, that's a road that leads us down to telling hell no. Second thing we could do, invite people to church. Invite people um, to church. Um, Suzanne and I receive several invitations to weddings, and we love getting them, whether it be an announcement, engagement announcement, or announcement of the wedding. Nowadays, it, there's all kinds of cards and announcements, you know, announcement of the ring and all kinds of stuff. And, but, but we love getting those and putting them on our refrigerator door and to be able to see the couple and the, and the picture. And it, it, it's awesome that we receive those invitations. And, but wouldn't it be great if we as believers took as much time, energy, 
to inviting people to church. Inviting people to church. Because church is where, not the only place, but it's where people are going to hear hope. They're going to hear about the gospel message. They're going to hear the plan of salvation. And so you and I, we can invite people just like people are being invited to a wedding. And we see this in in Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 through 14. This is the parable um, of the wedding banquet. Verse uh, 1, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Tough words by Jesus. Those are red letters. Tough words by Jesus. What he's explaining is this. Look, Israelites, I've sent messengers. I've sent prophets. You've even killed some of those prophets. And I've even sent armies and exiled you to to different countries. And you still did not believe. And here I am. Jesus is saying, in the flesh. And you still are not believing. And so, towards the end of that that parable, we see someone who is at this wedding banquet, and he's not properly dressed. Because what kings would do, anyone that's invited to a wedding, he would actually send them clothes. That'd be pretty cool. I think most of you would, would go to more weddings if you got a, some free threads, right? You know, if you got some uh, free clothes and something that was awesome and you dressed up almost like, a, like a, a, a ballroom dance. And so this particular man in this uh, parable showed up not dressed, probably wearing shorts, flip-flops, you know, and he, he was crashing that wedding. He's like, no, you don't respect me. So what, what that is, it's, it's someone who thinks that they're invited to the wedding when in actuality they're not. Meaning someone who thinks that they can go to heaven but in actuality they're not because they haven't 
been any change. One thing this parable makes clear is this. Everyone is welcome. Did you notice that? Not only the people that were invited, but he invited a bunch of people. He went out. When, when those he invited said no, he went out to the streets. It didn't matter who they were. Everyone was invited. And also notice that it changes us. Coming to the banquet table changes us. It even changes our clothes. When we go to the wedding, it changes. We get new clothes. That's, a, that's symbolic. When we come to Christ, we are clothed as a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come, and the new is here. And so we, we have, if we are walking with Christ, we should be changed. But the only way that's going to happen for those of us, for the, for the people that you know, is that we have got to invite people to the wedding. We've got to invite people to understand. Look, there is a wedding coming, and, and, and to get that invitation, you have got to surrender your life to Christ. Inviting them to church, inviting them to hang out with other Christian believers. You know people. You know people who should be here right now. You know people who are dying and going to hell. Because simply... They don't know Christ. And so let's invite them. Just like you're inviting someone to a wedding. So how do we march on the road to telling hell no? We talk about hell. We invite people to church. And we set God's word as a standard. We set God's word as a standard. Um, you know, it's actually pretty easy to, to live a life that is better than most men my age, married, kids. I find it personally pretty easy. I'm not saying that in a prideful way. Um, now, it's not easy to walk into Christian life, and I'm going to explain in a second. If I'm setting the standard of how I should live with other sinful men, and I'm, I'm one of those in this world, then I'm doing... I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, by the grace of God, there's been no addictions in my life, even though my biological father has some major addictions. There's no addictions of alcohol or, or drugs or, or adulterous affairs. You know, I mean, I, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. When I, look at, when I look at my life compared to other people. Now, there are other people that I know who, man, I, I'd love to aspire to be like them. Man, they're, they're, they're a few, quite a few steps ahead of me. 
in their walk with Christ, and they inspire me. And it's good to have those people in your life who can, who can pull you along and that you have others that you're pulling along as well. But let me tell you something. I, I don't need to live my life compared to other men and other people. I need to set the standard of how I should live my life to Christ and only Christ. And you may say, well, I think Christ was pretty much perfect. I don't think he sinned. You're right. Well, how are you going to do that? I can't. But I can strive for that. He is my example. And if I strive to be like him, and, and, and obviously the best way to get to be like him is to get to know him, spend time with him, understand his heart through prayer, through scripture, and to understand what he, what he wants to do through his church and in my life and in my family. But I cannot live my life by the standards of other people in this world. My standard is Christ and Christ alone. And church, we have got to understand that. It's easy to look at your life against other people. I mean, you're a church. How many other people aren't in church in this world? Millions of them. I mean, you could be, you know, having a, a regular quiet time, a regular prayer time. You could be in a small group. You could be walking that road to Christ. And, and it's easy to think, man, I'm doing pretty good. But in reality, with Christ, your life compared to his may not look so great. In fact, our, our righteousness, our holiness is as filthy rags compared to him. You say, well, Frank, well, why would you even try to Try to be like Christ. If you can never, uh, never be like him, why would you even try? Because it's my goal. And it should be our goal as well. So on, on this road to telling no to hell, we've got to be able to live our life with Christ as the example. Um, the parable I want to use is a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Again, talking about hell. We see this in, in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And it says this, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was um, laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger and water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, 
Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father, Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Again, the words of Jesus in the parable. He's foreshadowing his death and his burial and his resurrection by saying, look, even, even if someone rises from the dead, they're not going to believe. Jesus rose from the dead, and there's millions of people who do not believe. But here you have a parable of a, of a rich young ruler, a rich man who was living his life compared to those around him, thinking that he's doing great things. He's living a good life. When actuality, there was a beggar at his door, at his gate, every day to his rich mansion. So even though he was trying to live his life, keeping up with other people, he missed out on God every day of his life by not helping Lazarus, this poor beggar, by not helping his needs, by not um, committing to, to um, being a help to his life. So we have got to understand when we set our life, when we set our life as example and as a standard against other people, we're going to fall very, very, very short. Jesus needs to be our example. Jesus needs to be our example in this life. We need to uh, set the standard to him and him alone. Let the way you live your life say no to hell and be ready for the return of Jesus. Because I know this. The Bible says, we're going to read in a second. The Bible says that, that he's going to come and we're not going to know when. It says this in Matthew chapter 24 Verse 42 through 44. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So you don't know when Jesus is coming back. In fact, I'll take it a step further. You don't know when you're going to die. So we have to be ready. We have to be ready to tell hell no. To, we have to be ready to tell, to show others how to tell hell no. And the way to do that is we've got to talk about hell. We've got to invite people to church. And we've got to set our standards of living 
to Jesus so others will see Jesus in us and say, I want some of that. And you have an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. And that is where life change happens. It's not through debates, okay? God's word, yes. Prayer, yes. But, but God's got to fill them. God's got to fill them up with the Spirit and His power, and change will happen. I close with this in Acts 1 verse 4 verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Are you walking with Christ today? Are you able to tell hell no? No.